and um, so thank you all. That I want to, I, just want to, I, I, I called her out last, um, Thursday, but Elizabeth over here, she learned how to play bass Thursday, y'all. So I called her up and I said, hey, how would you feel about playing bass? And she's like, I've never done it before. I said, it's the top four strings of a guitar. She goes, ah, I, I can do it. So, but she did awesome. Everybody else did awesome. Like, hey, listen, I'm just excited that um, there's some things moving here and what God's doing here. Um, and it's more than just a band. It's more than just we have a building. It's more than we have thousands of cars that pass us now every day. It's more than that. We are a part of his story. And as a part of his story, we all have a role to play. Like we've talked about it all, like for the last all month, really, right? We've talked about how, we're, how we are called to size up, to, to, to take big risks because we serve a big God. We're going to size up, take big risks because we serve a big God. Hey, you can also say it like this. We're going to fail big. We're going to go all out or go home. You, know, you get what I'm saying? Like we're going to fail big. We're going to take big risks because we serve a big God. But we're all call, called, uh, called to be a part of his story, especially as believers, we're called to be a part of his story. It's the, it's the whole point of Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. All right? And, and, and we, we, we've read this every week, but what it says is, because of our salvation, because of the grace that's been extended to us, it says this, and all of this is a gift, talking about salvation. All this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. That means he was fighting for you. He fights for us. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to him, himself through Christ. And God given, has given us the task to reconcile or to bring back people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He has given you the message, like the message of the gospel lives in you. It's not just on pages of the Bible. It's not some point in history. No, the gospel lives inside of you. And he gives us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We plead, come back to God. We'll read that again. We, 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 we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. When was the last time you told somebody to come back to God? If you can't answer that, maybe we need to size up a little bit, but that's another point for another day. But verse 21, for God made Christ who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right. Isn't it great that we, even in a, when we couldn't, when we can't meet up to the righteousness of God, which was the point of the law, if you read Hebrews, we couldn't meet those standards. He, he made us right. That's why we can call ourselves righteousness because we are the righteousness of God so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And since you and I have experienced the power of the gospel through salvation and we realize that, we've ne that, that we never stand alone, we are called to reconcile our community back to God. It's time for us, the church, not just shift church, not just our network. It's time for the church globally to size up and fight for what matters most, to take big risks because we serve a big God and tell the world about what we have experienced chains being broken, addictions being broken, shame from what we have done or, or that what has been done to us, broken by the power of Christ through the Holy Spirit. That's what the world needs. God knows it's time for our world to hear the story of the reigning king of kings. They've heard every other name. They've heard every other idea. They, they've seen it all. It's time for Knoxville and the rest of the world to hear. It's time for the world to hear about the love of God. It's time for people, me and you, to take up the call that we're all called to. 
no matter if you're, no matter if you're uh, just a beginning Christian or have been Christian for years, it's time for us to size up and do what normal Christians do and stop being nominal. For too long, the church has just been stagnant, nominal. But it's time for us to size up, to speak up, and speak into the darkness that's around this world. But many of us refuse to do this. Many of us refuse to do this because we believe the lie. You know, you've been told a lie. We, we believe the lie that's, that's come straight from Satan himself. We believe who we are is who Satan says we are. And it's time for me and you to look Satan right in his ugly, beautiful, not so beautiful, sorry, ugly, not so beautiful face. And tell him, because I'm, we're tired of what he's saying about us. Uh, we're tired of him defining us. So it's time for us to look him right in the face. And it's the title of today. You may call me fill in the blank. You may call me this. And we're going to look at a story today. It's a story that when I first read it the first couple of times, it kind of it shocked me a little bit. Like I didn't quite understand. Not that I didn't understand what was going on in this story, but let me, let me just intro it this way. You, you and I are in a battle for our souls. Like right now, like my, my microphone's ringing and it's distracting the crap out of me. It's the enemy's attack on us. It's, it's, it, we're, in a, we're in a battle for our souls. Like this, this pandemic, even though as serious as it is, as it is it's, it's an attack on our soul. Satan can't create anything new. Because he's a created being. So he takes what's already in this world and he, he tries to instill fear in us. He, he tries to take, take social issues to, all the way down. And see, in, in fact, our friend Paul, he, he tells us, he tells us this, that we're not against, you know, flesh and blood enemies. Ephesians 6.12, it, it says this. It says, for we are fighting, not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of, un, of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark, in the dark world, and against every, every spirit in the hev- enemy places. This enemy, this enemy, his name is Satan. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because he does something to you and me. Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. He attacks our heart with accusations. He labels us, and we begin to believe those labels. And if we let him into our lives, we begin to believe we are who Satan says we are. But who does God say we are? That's the question. Now, I want to show you in this story. It's, a, it's this guy, his name, his, our friend, he's a, he's a prophet, and his name is Zechariah. And he, he, he's given this vision of, of Joshua, you know, Joshua in the Old Testament, of Joshua standing before God, standing before Christ. It talks about standing before the angel. And, he, and it's, it's a, it's a, I'm going to go back to my seminary days. The angel in the story, it's a Christophany. It's an Old Testament picture of Jesus. Okay? So it's a Christophany. He's, on a, he's standing before Jesus, and right beside him is the accuser. In verse, in, in, it, says, it says this in Zechariah 3, 1, it says, the angel showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Joshua. Why? Because Satan is the accuser. But can you imagine for a minute? 
you, you, you've, you've died, and here's, your, here's your, your eternity waiting before you, right? You've, this is something you've been looking for your whole entire life, to stand at the gates of heaven, to walk right up in that joint and say, where's my mansion at, bro? Yeah. But no, he's standing there, think, and all of a sudden, the accuser stands beside him, throwing accusations your way. Can you believe when he was 12 years old, this happened? He did this, Jesus. You don't need to let him in there because when, at, at the age of 21, he did this. He's throwing accusations our way. He may even be looking at you and going, man, you're such a loser. Nobody, nobody loves you. You're not good enough. How dare him say that to you? See, he actually does this, and, I'm, and I hope this is okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I hope this is okay. Like, he, he comes to us, and he goes, he goes, I wouldn't believe what Brian was talking about the other day. You know, he was, he was talking about how bad you are, how you don't deserve anything. Then he, he, does, he comes over here, and he's like, he's like, she was staring at that dude. Man, are you going to let her do that to you? You gonna let that do that? You gonna let her talk? She don't deserve you. You're too good for her. And then what happens is, what begins to happen is that he begins to accuse and make accusations, and he wedges himself. He wedges himself between you. And he begin, he be, he begins, he be, he begins to say, see, see, she doesn't even care that you're not even talking to her right now. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't want to talk to you at all. You should, you should, you know what? You should leave him. He don't deserve you. There we go. Okay, but that's what that's what he, he he makes accusations. He tells us who we are, and we begin to believe it. Right? That's why all your relationships don't work out. It's because you 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 define yourself by who you who he says you are instead of who you are. He says you're not worth it, and you're like, yeah, you're, you're right. I can't believe I did that. He labels us. He labels us. But the great news is, is that we don't have to stay in that label. Because I love this next verse. Because it tells us something. It says this. It says this. Verse 2. And the Lord said to Satan. Who said this to Satan? The Lord. That's Jesus, y'all. He says, I, the Lord, reject your accusation. He is not who you say he is. I reject your accusation, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has, homie, what's that word? Ooh, y'all. You are chosen. You, who has chosen Jerusalem? And that, in Jerusalem, um, Joshua and Jerusalem was oftentimes intermixed, right? Re, the, the one who chose Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Jesus is our advocate. He fights for us. He defends us. He chases us down. He knocks down barriers. He's our advocate. In fact, um, our friend John, um, it's, you know, our friend John in the New Testament, in, in um, one of his three smaller books that he wrote to us, he, he said this, and we've labeled it chapter 2, verse 1. It says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. When we don't deserve to... Don't, don't, he, he's yours. He's all yours. Don't listen to what Satan's saying. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. 
you have a, you have a king. When, when we feel like we can't share the message of the gospel, when we feel like we can't keep moving forward, when we begin to believe the lies of Satan, when he, say, when he says, when he says that, that you're not good enough, you're, nobody wants you, nobody, you don't deserve, how can you carry the message of the gospel when you have that in your heart? Jesus goes, I reject that. He is who I say he is. We have, we have been snatched from the fire, y'all. I'm not de- defined by who Satan says I am, but I am defined by my advocate. You can hurl your accusations all you want to. You can say I am whoever you say I am, but you don't define me because no one can label me except for the one who created me. No one can label me except for the one who created me. And I'm a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. This, is, this isn't all it is, y'all. This is all it is. This stood there and what happens here. Verse 3. Joshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel, before Jesus. So here's the crazy thing. So here's, by all appearance, appearances, what Satan was saying, Joshua looks like. Filthy, dirty, unwanted. By all by. By all appearances, Joshua is who Satan says he is. But it's, it's, listen, it, but watch what happens. Joshua's clothing was filthy as, as, he, as he stood there before the angel. And like, listen, Satan's going, see, he's exactly who I say he is. He's dirty. He deserves, like, he doesn't deserve to walk into the kingdom. Look, he's going to get your carpet dirty. And there has to be some expensive carpet, y'all. This is heaven. He's going to get your carpet dirty. He's going to, you know what? I bet he hasn't taken bath in weeks. He'll stink up heaven, y'all. But this is what Jesus said. So the angel said to the other standing there, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken your sin. I have taken your filth. I have taken all those accusations that may be true about you, and I've taken them away. You're not clothed in that shame anymore. You're not clothed with, with that darkness anymore. No, I've taken it away. And now I am giving you these fine new clothes. Like this reminds me of the story in the New Testament, right? Jesus is telling this parable. You know the son that wanted what was his? And he got what was his and he ran out and, squ- and squandered it away. And then he realized while he was eating um, pig stuff that, that he, he would be better off as a servant. Right? This reminds me of that story because you remember he goes, he goes, man, if I just go back and was a servant for my father, life would be better than this. So he goes, I'm going to go back and I'm going to ask my father if I can just be a servant, if I can be a slave of his. And, and, what, and what the crazy story is is that, that it says that when the father saw him from afar, the father began to run toward him. And, he, and I, can you imagine being that son, though, in, in, in the, product, the prodigal son story where, where he's, he sees his father running. And in that culture, old men don't run, y'all. I mean, old men don't run now. But he sees his father running to him, and he's, he, and you can imagine he fall, like, imagine falling at his dad's feet and going, man, can I just be your slave? And as he's talking, the dad says, no, bring my finest robe, for my son has come back. He's, my son is reconciled to me. He's came back. And the brothers over here, you know, church folk over here going, I've been here the whole time. You never killed a fatted calf for me. Where's my fatted calf? While the son's over here celebrating that he thought he was going to come just be a slave and a servant. But instead he got new clothes, got that, got that signet ring, y'all. 
even though he had lost everything that was rightfully his, given to him and that was his and his inheritance, his, his father gave him more, which tells us there's more for me and you. When, it, when you feel, and when Satan tells you, man, you squandered everything that's yours. God gave you that talent. He gave you that, that skill. He's given you that time, and you just squandered it away. I, you can't do it. You, you don't have anything else. You're drained. No, you just come back, and the Father's going to fill you up. He's going to give you a new coat. He's going to give you some new clothes, y'all. See, I've taken away your sin, and now I'm giving you, you, you these fine new clothes. Verse 5, then I said, this is Zechariah saying, they should also, can you imagine, can you imagine being Zechariah, in this, like, seeing all this happen and speaking in, and all the angels just going, you know? I don't call in, but it says this, listen. It says, then I said, they should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban. Wait, hold a minute, a priestly? Man, imagine, here he, here he is. He doesn't, deserve, he doesn't deserve this. He's dirty. He came, he came into the presence of God full of shame and guilt and nastiness, and he had stinky armpits and all that kind of stuff, right? And he said, put, put a priestly, low, priestly turban on him, giving him authority over things. He said, place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord spoke very solemnly to Joshua and said, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. If you follow me, follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. So if, we're, if, we, if, we, if, we try, if we come before God and allow him to clean us up, he, and he, he'll dress us and he'll give us authority over every, that's where it comes back, like every step where you step. I think, was it Joshua who said that too? Wherever you set foot, I'm given to you. I will let you walk among these others standing here. Listen to me, verse 8 says, O Joshua, the high priest, and all you other priests, you are symbols of things to come. You are symbols of things to come. Symbols of things to come. Remember last week I said, in our brokenness, Christ picks us up. Last week I said, in, in our brokenness, Christ picks us up. He cleans us off. He mends our brokenness and shows the world that what he can do with failed people. This is why. We are symbols. Visuals of the power of God to change lives. Because people can look at you and look at your story as a symbol. Look how God cleaned us up. The reason that you can, even though he tells you you can't, even though he calls you whatever he needs to call you, because we begin to believe what Satan says. Instead of believing that we've been snatched from the fire, this is our king. But we answer sometimes to the wrong name given to us by the accuser. And the only name that God, the only name that we should answer to is the name that God gives us. The names that God calls you are the only names you should be answering to. Because, and here's why, the devil knows your name, but calls you by your sin. Christ knows your sin, but 
that calls you by your name. The devil knows your name that calls you by your sin. Christ knows your sin that calls you by your name. And so when the enemy attacks and throws out accusations, when he, try, when he tries to convince you that you, can't, that, you, that you can't carry the message of the gospel to your community, you tell him, now I, I, you tell, when he says, you're not good enough, oh yeah, well I see, these, I see these chains falling right off me. You don't deserve this grace. You know what, you're probably right, but I see that chain falling off of me too. When he says you are you're a failure no and that you should be ashamed you're a failure you should be ashamed no you may call me righteous I am the righteousness of God in Christ a new creation yeah I may be dirty on the outside you should see the inside of what God has done in me. That filth that was down in there, you should see it, devil. Um, you, you call me righteous. When he tells you God, God isn't there, he's disappeared, that he doesn't love you. All right. Well, guess what? You may call me a child of the king. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced neither death nor life, not angels or demons, nor any power, height, nor depth, nothing in all creation will separate me from the love of God in Christ. No matter what they say about me, no matter what you say about me, no matter what you try to throw my way, no matter what attack comes my way, no matter how far away you push that person out of my life that I love dearly, no matter how many failed relationships I have, nothing's going to separate me from being a child of the king which shows us that nothing you can do can push you away because if the salvation isn't yours to begin with anyway because the Bible says that it's God's salvation it's his salvation that he graciously gives to us then we can't we can't do anything to push ourselves out from being a child of the king it's kind of like listen lyrics right here and she drives me crazy sometimes love her to death but she got some sass y'all and as much as times I want to open up the front door and listen, she's always going to be my daughter. Always going to be my daughter. I'm always going to love her. Love you. No matter how, how big Zane gets, I don't know where he's sitting at in here. Probably yeah, back there. No matter how big Zane is and how many times he's going to beat me up, nothing's going to separate him from being my son neither death nor life. And that's the picture that we have of God. Right? That no matter how far out we get, no matter how what, what's been done to you or that you've done to others or that you've done to yourself, nothing you will do will ever separate you from the child of God, which means since God never fails, you can never really fail. That's why it says his word doesn't come back void. But we've got to stop believing the lie because, hey, listen, if we believe the lie, Satan doesn't have to worry about us. But if we start believing who we say, who he says we are, if we truly size up and we fight for what matters most, we are unstoppable. Just think about this way. They, over 2,000 years ago, this man Jesus, he dies on the tree, rises from the dead to give, give us victory over sin, death, and the grave, right? And, and, and they tried to stop him. They tried. Remember that, how many times the, the, the disciples got arrested? 
got put in prison and then those jail cells, those changes fell off and they, 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 they're free. Remember all, remember all those times when, when they stood before the, rights, the, the religious leaders at the time? And that one time, I love that one story where the one priest stood up and kind of was like, listen, listen, if this, is real, if this is really a thing, then we don't have to worry about defeating them because it's gonna, it'll end anyway. When all these guys die, it'll end. Well, guess what? Here we are 2,000 plus years later. It's unstoppable, y'all. It's unstoppable. But we got to stop believing the lie. we got to size up. Stop believing who, we, who he says we are. I am a chosen as I am. Nothing more. I'm chosen. I chose you before the foundations of the world. You have a call as believers, as a believer in Christ. You are worth it. So here's, here's the challenge for today. And it's a simple challenge, y'all. And it's this. Stop believing the lie. Size up. And when we leave these doors, every person that we have, con- have contact with, let them see who you are in Christ. Share the message of the gospel with somebody. Because you have it in you. And then next week I get to answer your questions and be put on the spot. But this week, y'all, there's going to be a revival this week. You know how I know that? Because Christ lives in you. And wherever you step foot, wherever you decide to size up, or when you decide to size up, there's going to be a revival breakout. I am who he says I am. God, I want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here. God, I I want to lift up and just pray, be thankful that that I am yours that I am who you I don't have to believe the lies of the devil anymore I am who you say I am God as we as we close out the service God may we may we celebrate in the fact that only you can define who I am only you can decide who where I go and where I step foot God I pray that we all begin to stop believing what the, what the devil says and we listen to who you say I am